0: Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller. Sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby.
1: What's up, Brian?
0: We have a uh, a fun interview today. I'm really excited to uh, invite Brittany Nia on the podcast today. Brittany, thank you so much for joining
2: yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited.
0: Um, this is one we've been wanting to do for a while, and I I finally asked Brittany a couple weeks ago uh, to join us. Um, Brittany and I work both together at Workday, and we had a chance to work together in London. Uh, let's see, it's been a couple years now since we worked in London together. We worked on a number of deals together. It was such a blast, and then I was kind of you know, had a chance to talk to Brittany as she was considering coming over to the UK. I was one of many people that she was connecting with to kind of build her network out. And then now she's made uh, another move within the company. And given that we have so many questions from listeners about what does it take to, you know, to do an expat move? What does it take to, you know, move outside of the US or move outside of the UK? um, This We figured this would be a great chance to talk it through with Brittany. So Brittany, before we get into it, the the specifics around the move, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your background and then kind of what in your background led this to be an interesting move for you?
2: As Brian mentioned, my name is Brittany Nia, and I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Um, I've lived in three countries over the past five years, so I definitely know a few things about moving. Um, I've lived in San Francisco, UK, and London, and and most recently now here in Hamburg, Germany. Um, Yeah, so my my parents immigrated from Taiwan in the 80s, and um, I think just early on, I was really exposed to different cultures. Um, We made it a, a sure thing to basically visit a different country, whether it's Taiwan or, or somewhere around the world every single year. So my entire family has just always wanted to go out to different places and experience new themes. So I think that early on just um, really expanded our mindset and, and that was kind of the driving force of, of some of these career decisions I've had pretty recently.
0: And so I, I don't think I've ever asked you, what, what did your parents do professionally that led to this opportunity to travel so much as you grew up?
2: Yeah, they're professionally didn't really have much to do with their desire, I'd say, to, to move. Um, so my dad came from a pretty poor family, and he wanted to move to the U.S. early on because of just the whole career opportunity and, and um, the American dream, more or less. My mom followed him, and they both got their master's in University of Texas in North Dallas, and um, and were engineers by trade. So they, they've retired by now, but their background is more on the technical engineering side. Um, they didn't do much travel themselves personally, but um, I think it was just because they were immigrants themselves and had a home somewhere else around the world. It was just part of what they wanted to do when it came to exposing their children to that.
0: Very cool.
1: And I personally am so jealous because... I have never had the opportunity to travel globally uh, for the most part. The only time I got to go overseas was to see Brian in Windsor and see all the things in Paris and London for a big family trip. So I'm super jealous. And I had the opportunity probably three years into my Microsoft career where someone asked me if I wanted to be international and, because I didn't have that in my upbringing, I was scared to death of what did that mean? I'm, I don't know any foreign languages, and I was just ignorant to all of it. So uh, I am extremely jealous of everything you've accomplished.
0: Brittany. I we're talking before, and there, I, I've always thought of it as there's kind of three stages to making this kind of move. And Brittany, it'd be good to get your thoughts on this, too. But there's kind of the first stage is it's something I'm interested in. It would be fun to live abroad and to get to experience all the different cultures and to see all the different sites. And so you kind of like rationalize that and make a decision as a, as a single person or as a family, that's a big decision to come to a conclusion of, but it's not as big as the next stage, which is talking to your boss or talking to other leaders in the company that can help make that thing come true and make it happen, which is like a whole other set of, making your heart flutter and and be nervous about it. And then there's even the third stage of, oh my gosh, I have physically moved myself to this other country. I've accepted the role and I now live in London and I have to make sales here. I have to find a home here. I have to pay taxes here. Um, it's such a progression that like, it's a stair step that like progressively gets more and more challenging. Brittany, what does that describe? And you've gone through this a couple of times, but does that describe kind of, how you thought about it?
2: Yeah, the the first time when I moved from San Francisco to London, I remember it just happened so fast, but the part that moved the fastest and was probably the most um, nerving and and shocking was once you realized you were in the interview and in the process, because I remember it was, I think, early summer when I had reached out, um, networked with some people and basically got to the point where I had a feeling that there was a role open. And they kept saying in in the uk uh just keep waiting you know we might have something come up in in the autumn and then i reached back out in autumn and they said yeah we have a role and pretty quickly i started interviewing and i think within a few weeks if not a month i had a job and so i think it took my mind a lot more time to catch up to the fact that oh crap like this is actually happening i'm moving to london then within a few months, I was physically in London, had packed my bags, and yeah, it was it was pretty quick. The entire process of moving, um, I think, in general, w- when you're thinking about moving, right, it's it takes a long time. You're trying to envision it, you're doing all your research, but once you're actually in the process of interviewing, of, of moving, it happened so fast. And for me, it was a matter of just a few months between actually interviewing and physically moving and then i was already in london so um you definitely have to be ready for it if, if that's something that you definitely want yeah
0: and so you know we, we talk all, all the time about taking projects and kind of putting yourself out there if, like if if your aim professionally is to to grow and to move into new roles and to or to do an expat assignment or to do all of those things a big part of that is to to nail your day job, which clearly you did year after year after year, you nailed your day job. But what are some other things that you did to kind of, um, to, show, uh, to show the UK, to show Germany, that you were capable of not only nailing your day job, but you're capable of, of taking on the next challenge in your career?
2: Yeah, I think um, one of the big insecurities I had with any role, it wasn't just moving internationally, but with a promotion or wanting to try something different is the lack of experience that you don't have. And I think sometimes you're so focused on, oh, what I don't have that you're not recognizing, okay, what are the strengths I actually have in, in this role? And for example, with the London move, I'm so caught up on, oh, you know, what? At, at this point, I I. I don't have any sales experience. I was a solution consultant at the time. I was interviewing for a sales position, carrying quota, having to negotiate, having to prospect, all those things I'd never done before. And I was so focused on that. And then the process itself, it became very apparent that they didn't really care about those things. It was more so, um, what did I bring to the table? And it was my prior knowledge of of being at Workday it was the cultural experience I had um, selling and, and being part of the company at our headquarters, which was in Pleasanton. And all those things mattered so much more at the time to the hire manager and to the team rather than all the um, more insignificant things such as caring quota and, and being in that sales position that um, maybe other people have had.
0: I love that focus. I think it's, uh, I think so many people try to defend the experience they don't have rather than focus on the experience they do have and why that makes them a, a perfect next fit for the role. So I know you did, you, you know, the, the great thing about Workday and a lot of these global tech companies is that there are global events. Well, kind of pre-COVID and certainly post-COVID, there are these global events that you can network with international peers and build relationships and, and, and grow your own network. And it makes it, it kind of helps glide path the, the process. So if someone is is looking to do this, it starts with simply building, you know, of course, you got to nail your day job, you got to look for stretch opportunities to show that you have the ability to learn and grow in your role. But it's also a big part of just networking and, and knocking down doors and setting up meetings uh, to get to that next step.
2: Yeah, Brian, I remember when we first spoke, um, I asked you how you made it happen. Um, do you want to share how, how you did it? Because it had to do with that network.
0: It did. It did. What the gentleman that runs our healthcare business, uh, he and I kind of worked side by side on the financial side. Um, and I had shared with him and with my, well, with my manager that it was something I was interested in doing and their feedback was exactly what we're saying here. nail your day job, be good at your day job, but show that you can also stretch beyond your current capabilities. Um, so I expressed very early on my aim was to move out to the UK to move to London. And um, one of those that gentleman that runs a healthcare business now, Matt, connected me um, with the uh, country manager at the time. Still, now she has got a much bigger role. Uh, Carolyn uh, connected us, and I still remember the first phone call we had. She had just walked outside from a customer meeting. She just finished it, and you know, here she is talking to me. Uh, it was it was mind blowing to me at the time. You know, now it's just simple and normal. But she she had picked up the phone, and we were talking outside of her customer meeting, and I was on the road. Uh, back from Houston. And then when Workday announced a a reorganization to the way we were kind of going to market from a sales perspective, which again in tech happens all the time. Uh, I reached out to Carolyn. I, I remember pulling off to the side of the road and I emailed Carolyn. I said, I heard there's reshuffling going on. Is there a spot on the financials organization? And she replied back almost instantaneously and said, we should talk tomorrow. And then a week later I had the offer and we moved on so it it, but you know to your point to your question it's laying the groundwork so that it becomes a it's not a raising your hand when there's a role available it's it's set it's laying the groundwork so that when that role becomes available whether it's one week or two weeks like our situation where it happened very fast or one year it it's laying that groundwork that ultimately lands the position
1: And I don't know, two things that I'll add. I don't know if you noticed, Brian, but the interview guest just became the interviewer. She started asking you questions. Number one, number two, this doesn't just uh, equate to being an expat or trying to find that next big thing in another country. This is everything we ever talk about on the podcast. This is the next job, the next role, the next relationship, the next mentor. All these fundamentals are key to getting to the place you want to get in your tech career These just are big extravagant moves that are very complex and complicated um, and aren't as easy. But if you're thinking you want to be the next manager or the next solutions consultant in a different division, these things have to happen as well.
0: No doubt. So tell, tell us about your, um, so you you got offered the role, you moved out to London uh, for your first Move. What were some things that were surprising to you? I mean, the the challenging thing about an expat role in sales is that there's no. It's not. You're not an engineer, and you can't just say, "Okay, I'm going to keep coding on the things that I was coding before." And the same coding language works in the UK as it does in the US. You're you're dealing with a different culture and approach to business. You're having to set up utilities, and you're having to prospect. It's a. It's more than a 40-hour job a week. What were what were some surprising things to you as you moved into the new role and you moved into London and how was that for you? And it, it wasn't your first time to move, right? Cause you moved to San Francisco. So was it exponentially more difficult moving from Dallas to San Francisco? What was that experience like for you?
2: I'll talk about actually the move from London to Germany. Cause I found that a lot more challenging for different reasons. And, and Brian, you made the move from, from Texas to the UK. So you could probably give give your angle and um, I'm a single person um, I don't have a family so I, I'm sure your view is also um, extremely interesting as well um, the the hardest part from the UK to Germany wasn't so much the logistics luckily we both work for a company that um, helped us right made it more comfortable, they, they looked at some of the logistics of it itself, the legal aspects, make sure I'd say if you don't have a company, right, that you're doing your research, that you understand not just the financial burden um, in, in some cases, but also what exactly will it take? Where am I going to live, right? Um, um, what is the culture of this company? What's the culture of, of the country? But the most challenging aspect for me, and it still is today, is just integrating into, into the country. And Germany is um, probably one of the more conservative countries um, when it comes to not just um, socially, right, but they're, they're also, they tend to be um, just a, a lot more, and their behaviors very different from Americans as well as from, from the British. I'll give you a good example. So all three of us are from Texas originally. I remember in my first job, um, when I was supporting the Dallas market, there'd be times where I'd end a meeting and just give people hugs like people. I don't really know, but we had a great meeting and we want to say goodbye. And it just feels so natural to hug them. Now it seems so foreign to me. I would never hug a prospect unless I actually knew them and, and built a relationship or a bond. Um, so just little things like that, as well as in Germany, um, there's different ways of addressing people. You have different informal informal ways of saying things. Um, It's the same as in the U.S. maybe calling someone Mr. Evans instead of Brian. It, It might sound pretty funny, but that's how it is in Germany. And so it's understanding those areas. But in general, it's the cultural challenges that I find to be very difficult because you're basically forgetting everything you know and having to completely start over and absorb what's going on around you. Um, having to fully integrate, and and it's a long process. And the biggest, I'd say, hurdle at the moment is a language barrier. I'm in a country where even though they speak English, um, German is our native tongue. They do business in German. There's a lot of um, mannerisms that are very German. And so no matter what, I will always be the outsider, right, until I actually learn the language. And so finding myself in situations where i'm the only one who doesn't understand german where we're having meetings and there's 20 people and i'm the only english speaker and everyone's switching to english that's just something that you'll have to be accustomed to and be be comfortable with but i'd say the the ability to fully integrate and to be open-minded right and and to um, be accepting of this is a different culture is, is definitely the biggest challenge
1: when you, you talked about the, the differences. When Brian went to the UK, we had been friends for years, and I noticed that everything he typed had, was spelt wrong in OneNote all of a sudden because he was using all of the uh, – you, you see in everywhere you set up some computer, someone says English UK or English United States, and I never knew there was that much difference, but – Brian misspelled everything. So I started realizing and it was really just my own other language. Yeah. It was my, it was my own ignorance. Right. But I can see that if I made a move to Germany, I would be way, way behind the curve. Like, did, did you find a book? Did you find something online that you learned about these nuances? Did work day help you? What would someone do? I I, I know, like if you were going to go for a week, you might read a book on how to get to the bathroom or something, but, this is not a week long venture. This isn't a hotel. This is, you're changing everything. What did you do to prepare for that? I guess is my, my question.
2: So the reason why I moved to Germany from the UK is because I was dating a German. I still am. um, And he was living in Germany at the time. So I was fortunate to have some type of background. I had family before I had traveled to Germany. So there was some level of familiarity when I had had moved. I think nothing really prepares you for the move and and until you actually are in the country itself. But he did give me a, uh, it was a book and I think it was something, I have to find the title of it, but it was everything you need to know about moving to Germany as I was moving. And it explained, right, all the different cultural differences, um, some of the language, some of the different um, things that you should know when you move. And I just remember, I did. I try to do as much research as I could beforehand. I didn't want to go in very blindly. Um, so for anyone, right, that's moving to a different country, um, I think the more you can prepare, the better. Um, it's it's kind of like you guys say in, in your other episodes. If you're preparing for a press meeting, a client meeting, right, you want to know the buyer, you want to know who they are. It's The same exact thing, but on a personal level. And the more you can prepare, the better. But when you're in the country, is I think when you're gonna um, learn the most.
0: That was very. It was. It was a much easier experience, of course, moving from Texas to the UK. I can only imagine the, the exponential challenges moving with a new language and 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 the cultural differences and everything uh, for Germany. But to have a you know my my wife my partner was able to you know help package up our home here locally while I moved to the UK to get started on business and start building the business up over there. Um. So those are definite things to take into consideration while I was over there, you know, setting up a home and setting up utilities and setting up the bank accounts and, and getting work done during the day uh, to have to have my wife, you know, at home helping the kids finish school and finish the camps that they were participating in and to pack up the house and to get the renters set up in the new house to, to have to split that up across or to, to be able to split that across uh, two of us was incredibly helpful not to mention that in the UK they speak English. So while you're right, Bobby, there was, there's a lot of S's instead of Z's, um, in the language, it was still very easy. There's probably 200 words and you call things like the calendar, you call that the diary. And th- there's a lot of nuance there that it's important that as a, as an American, when you move over there, it's important that you say those things and type the things the right way, because they, they want that. They want to know that you're kind of, you know, Acclimated to the way of, of doing business in that culture, there it's it's very very important to them, as it should be. We would we would want the same uh, for people coming here too, in a way. Like, of course, there people are going to have their differences and their approaches and everything else, but the, the business communication there's needs to be some congruency to that the business communication. For sure. What, uh, Brittany, is you you've had a chance now to see the world. Uh, as an adult too. Now, like you obviously grew up doing a lot of this too. What are, what are some things that you enjoy doing living in Europe now? What are, you know, what's, what's life like living in Germany?
2: Yeah, by far my favorite thing is just the proximity of all the other countries in in relation to where you are. So if you look at Europe, right, anywhere in Europe is, is literally two hours away by train, by, by airplane. Um, so the first year I lived in London. I remember, I think I spent more weekends abroad than I did in London. And now looking back, I wish I hadn't because my, my time in London was so short lived. But you meet friends and, and naturally in, in London, I had a lot of expat friends, a lot of friends that I met that were also in the US who had the same intention of wanting to explore other countries. So that's by far my favorite, just because every country is so different. And I think in the U.S. it's so big, right? You have different states and and maybe if you look at New York, Chicago, San Francisco, physically they might look a little bit different. But in, in Europe, they are completely different. Like you walk into another country and people speak a different language. The food is different. Even the architecture is different. So that in itself is probably the most appealing thing for me. Just experience different cultures and 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 talk to different people, um, try to understand, Write the history of it. I'm a huge history buff. So I, I grew up reading a lot of books about British history, about world war II and just feeling like I'm living in that, even if it's centuries later. Um, I mean, it's, it's surreal to this day.
0: That's amazing. I, and I, I think one of the things that helped you enjoy that it helped me enjoy that when I lived there is that there's a lot of respect for personal time. Um, abroad. In the U S it's more difficult taking PTO in the U S you like, I expect to get text messages for the people that work for me, for my boss, for my boss's boss. I expect to get text messages and they expect me to respond even if I'm on the slopes in, you know, in Colorado. And in, in at least my experience in London was that PTO is PTO and like you could turn off your phone for a week or two weeks, which what's, what's been your experience in Germany.
2: Yeah, if you were calling in London, it's the the month of August, I think, where mm-hmm. everyone's gone, and um, people do tend to respect the personal time. And I remember that was a really um, hard fact for me to step because I, I I worked in the U.S. where, uh, and not to say it's it's a negative thing, but I always guilty taking time off, and that okay, I'm taking time off and I'm needed, right, and someone's gonna have to backfill. I remember when I first was asking for a vacation in the UK, I had to justify find a really long email, why I'm taking off. And my manager was like, I don't care. Just go. This is your time. It's your benefit. And I've learned to um, get rid of that, that thinking and, and really take my time off. And, and when I'm taking time off, too, it's not just me taking time off. It's truly completely, completely shutting down from work. It's not looking at my emails, not looking at my phone. And I think that practice in itself, um, has benefited me to write, go back to work, be more refreshed and, and, and go back at our jobs, which can be very, um, time consuming, a lot of pressure, just given we're all in sales roles.
0: Yeah. It's something I want to get back to I, I, I swore to myself when I moved back that I would be good at that. And I have not been good at that. I've slipped right back into that always being available. Even on days off, even on a you know on a Sunday, being available for a question here there, and there there's such a recharging of batteries that happens whenever you unplug for a period of time.
1: I think if we could fix that, the show would be much more popular, and the fan base would be massively bigger. Um, I, I don't I don't have a I don't have that type of a day grind anymore, but I do it in everything I do. I'm still way too available. I still pick up. I still feel this urge. I continue to try and cut out noise, but um, I, I'm jealous again, Brittany, and don't move back because you, you will fall right back into the same crater that, that Brian is in for sure.
0: Well, I, I, um, I, we need to bring it to a close now, but Brittany, we'd love to have you back on if you're open to it. There's some, there's some, so, so many things that we could get into. Uh, we could get more specific on advice for people looking to move. We could talk about selling differences uh, there's so many different discussion points we could have. So if you're open to it, we'd love to have you back on.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, well, we'll wrap with that. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Cell Show.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sale Show.
2: Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until
0: next week, average is the enemy.